Traditional definitions of business, entrepreneurship, and success have historically been reserved for cishet white men. And home-based businesses are often run by the rest of us. Whether you're focused on finances, freedom, friendship, or fun within your business, you get to make the rules and define your own success. And that is feminist as fuck. Welcome to F-Words. Hi, I'm Kelly. I'm your life and business coach now. Who was Mary Magdalene? This is a question many people have tried to answer for centuries. If you follow the Christian tradition, they've preached that she was the penitent prostitute, a fallen woman who had seven demons cast out of her, the epitome of feminine weakness and why women need men to lead them. Though Catholicism has changed its tune in recent decades and she's even been canonized as a saint, after 2,000 years that story still sticks. If you follow one of the many esoteric lineages connected to her, she was either a sex priestess, a reincarnation of Egyptian goddess Isis, the divine feminine counterpart to Jesus as divine masculine and potentially the reincarnation of Egyptian god Osiris, or even Jesus's wife. They may have had children and he may not have been crucified. Feminist Christian theologians position her as the apostle to the apostles, the one Jesus loved more than the others, whether that means they had an intimate relationship or not varies, depending on who's telling the story, and how important that is also varies, but the main concept is that she was an equal to Jesus. But patriarchal societies couldn't uphold the concept of a woman being equal to a man, especially the man they worship as the actual embodiment of God. So she was all but written out of the biblical canon in the multitudes of translations. Who's correct? I have no idea. What I do know is that she has stood out to me in biblical scriptures since childhood. And a few weeks ago, I traveled to southern France to deepen my spiritual connection with her. I grew up in a Christian home attending a Methodist church as a child, the eldest child, which meant only child in my earliest years. And in those years, I was the child of a single mother who has a handful of non-traditional beliefs, which influenced my understanding of what I'll call Christian mythology. She read the Bible to me as a bedtime story when I was a kid, like little kid, couldn't read yet. And I don't know exactly where her understanding of either Lilith or Mary Magdalene came from, but she incorporated them into my bedtime stories. How? No idea. I don't remember the details. But I also don't remember a time in my life when I didn't know who these two women were. Again, I also don't know where they came from for her. She was raised essentially an Ozark version of Mennonite that they called Southern Baptist at the time. but wasn't connected with anything larger than the local church where her uncle was the self-ordained preacher. And what I do know is that when 
I decided to read the Bible for myself the first time, neither Lilith nor Mary Magdalene were really represented in a way that was familiar to me. So I went in search of them both. And I stumbled upon Mary Magdalene first via the Gnostic Gospels. I bought my first copy to Walden Books when I was maybe 15. And keep in mind, I'm about to turn 41 as I'm writing this. So when I was 15, it was 1997. The internet was barely a thing. But as I read, I became more familiar with what I understood as a child. That Mary Magdalene played an important role in the stories. That she was a strong and powerful person in her own right. That she held more wisdom and divine connection than a patriarchal society would have anyone believe. The moment I found that book, it was the only copy in that Midwestern mall bookstore, my life changed. I had been attending an evangelical church for a little while, the kind with a rock band, video games, and lock-ins for the youth group, the kind that has a congregation of thousands, the kind led by someone who has undergone mass scrutiny for church-funded private jets. The church offered me a community, one that always felt a little off, one that I always had to perform the right kind of Christianity to be part of, one that led me to believe if I just did the right things and did them loudly enough, I'd be good enough, worthy of God's love. But the book? It offered me something else, an internal knowing that striving to be worthy wasn't necessary. That I was worthy of love simply because I exist, which is something I put on stickers that go out with every card and gift I send to my clients. And that a community that believes otherwise was not for me. I started questioning everything the Christian faith preached. I read multiple translations of the Bible, and I then began studying other religions of the world, first on my own, then through the lens of art history in academia. Over the years of my undergraduate academic study, I considered converting to a number of religions that I studied, Islam, Hinduism, and Buddhism specifically, and though I'd not necessarily make the same decisions today, when I decided they weren't for me, I got tattoos representing what I had learned from them to keep the lessons with me and serve as conversation starters to help teach others. Ultimately, I've developed my own very specific belief system that doesn't really fit into any religion, and I don't believe in a hierarchical God. So I call myself an atheist. And when I say that I'm an atheist, people often assume that I just don't believe in anything. Then they get to know me and they get very confused. I base my business decisions on the astrological calendar. I use a pendulum and oracle cards in my daily life. Sometimes tarot, but that's got too many rules for my preference, so I generally stick to oracle. I do altar work that incorporates goddesses, ancestors, crystals, candles, oils, and other offerings. I make moon water. I do new and full moon rituals as well as solstice and equinox rituals and other rituals throughout the year. 
I consult and study under a variety of spiritual mentors, and I work in the Akashic Records. I don't believe in nothing. I just don't believe in a hierarchical god or goddess. Monotheism is one god or goddess. Polytheism, multiple gods or goddesses. Atheism, no god or goddess. What I do believe is that there's some sort of unknowable connection we all have to one another and to everything in existence. Call it energy, call it spirit, call it divine, call it mycelium, call it god or goddess if you like. I say unknowable because I don't think whatever it is is something we can intellectually understand. Maybe it's because it's some sort of fifth or eleventh dimensional concept that we can't comprehend because we live in three dimensions. Maybe it's because we have to learn certain lessons on this plane of existence to unlock others. Maybe it's for some other reason. I don't care what it's called. I don't care why. What I care about is connection to myself, to you, to whatever it is. Through my decades of academic and self-study, what I've come to know for myself is that every system of understanding, spiritual or otherwise, is founded in the same concept, creating order from chaos. And we're all essentially saying the same things. We're just using different languages to say it. Whether you consider yourself spiritual or not, and whether or not you follow an organized religion, I'd like to invite you on a personal quest to adopt that philosophy and see where it takes you. That's not saying I want you to believe what I believe. I haven't even described the details of what I believe and how I see it here because it's irrelevant. I don't want you to follow me as a spiritual guide or teacher, and I'm not into forming a cult. The connection to whatever you consider sacred and divine is up to you, if you even want that. My work in the world is to help you cultivate a deeper connection with yourself and with one another. I'm here to help you reclaim yourself individually and as part of a larger collective reclamation. I've done that in many ways throughout my life, and there are some aspects of my business that will be shifting soon. A rebrand of one of my programs and my podcast to create more alignment with that work. If you follow me on Instagram, you may have seen Fuck Shit Up Fridays as a weekly post. That's becoming a bi-monthly email series and a blog on my website. And there will be more retreats. All of this is stuff that's been swirling around for quite a while, and it all finally started to become clear when I was in France. And there's more to the story, which I'll get into, and I've not put out a podcast episode for a couple of weeks because this is what I've wanted to talk about, but it took some time for me to synthesize the experience. Hiking the mountain trail through an ancient Celtic forest to visit the Mary Magdalene cave in the cliff at St. Baume and spending time in the cave chapel was truly a magical experience. When I went to France for 12 days, it was for a spiritual retreat led by a psychic medium friend of mine. 
And if you've been following me for a while, you may remember the retreat I was on last October when I got kicked out of a theater by a ghost. This retreat was led by the same person. And I asked her to do this retreat. You could call it manifestation if you want, that this entire experience came into existence. But after the retreat last year in Savannah, Georgia, I reignited my study of Mary Magdalene. There were some things that happened in Savannah that pointed me in that direction. So I went. I'm not one to hesitate when a direction is clear. I started with reading Megan Watterson's Mary Magdalene Revealed, revisited the Gnostic Gospels, then dove into other ancient texts that have been discovered post-biblical canonical decisions made by the Council of Nicaea during the Roman Empire. I then dug further into decisions made by King James and those who have translated his take on the text in various ways since his decisions in the 1600s. From there, I started researching the various cultures that have been drawn upon to create the state of nonsense we're living in right now. Greek and Roman patriarchy, Egyptian imperialism, and of course, Western European Puritanism and colonialism to find where the women were. Then I went back to Mary Magdalene again. I read more academic work, and if you're into it, I highly recommend the work of Jane Shaberg. Mary Magdalene Understood is an excellent entry point. And I read some channeled work, some of which seems like bullshit to me, but I'm not going to make any claims about anyone else's experience. I've listened to so many books and lectures, primarily on double time, though triple time when possible, over the last year, and... Adding that to my personal studies as a teenager and my academic studies in college and grad school, I've learned a lot about how the fuck we got here. Why women like Mary Magdalene have been left out of the stories and where to find them. And all of this is going into my work. That said, I absolutely do not intend to position myself as an academic nor as a spiritual leader because as I said before, My work is to help you connect more with yourself and one another. It's not in spiritual leadership. And honestly, after all the research and study I've done, I have a hell of a lot more questions than I have answers. In the cave, I received a message and I didn't understand it at first. In fact, I resisted it. While I sat on the altar, I heard... Stop giving it all away. My response to that was, but I like to share. I then heard, this is all for you. It was always all for you. And I heard this in what sounded like my mother's voice, which was interesting to me, considering she was my initial teacher about Mary Magdalene. But get this, there's also a weird connection to Mary Magdalene that I've talked about in a previous episode regarding my maternal grandmother's name. Her name was Mary Lena, and Lena is a shortened version of Magdalena, which is a translation of Magdalene. So we could say that my maternal grandmother was literally named after Mary Magdalene. Was that the case? Did her parents name her after the supposed penitent prostitute? And if so, what did they believe about Mary Magdalene? 
I don't know the answers to these questions. My maternal grandmother died when my mom was a small child. I never met her. And my maternal great-grandparents have both passed. My great-grandfather before I was born. My great-grandmother when I was a kid. They all came through in the retreat I attended in Savannah last year, though. And I actually wonder if the voice I heard in the cave was my grandmother, Mary Lena, not my mom. She was her mom, and I don't know what she sounded like, but presumably somewhat similar. What I do know is that when I started typing that here, all the wind chimes within earshot of my office began chiming, so maybe? I'll let you decide what you think that means, if anything, because again, I'm not here to tell you what to believe. Stop giving it all away. This seems like a divine message all of us socialized as women need to hear because we're essentially trained to undercut ourselves, to provide for others before we provide for ourselves, to wear ourselves thin, to bleed ourselves dry. And for what? To prove ourselves worthy of the title of woman in a cis heteronormative patriarchal society? To prove ourselves worthy of love? To prove that we're good enough to then have someone come save us? And if we take that into the context of Christianity, to prove that we're worthy of God's love and worthy of having been saved from our sins by the crucifixion of a spiritual teacher over 2,000 years ago? That's a lot to carry. It's a lot to prove. So, of course, we overwork and overextend ourselves. Because it's not just our identity here in this life, but our eternal soul that's at stake. And even if you weren't raised Christian, these themes have permeated every avenue of Western culture in general. Then if we take into account American culture specifically with the current political climate, there's no denying how Christianity has infiltrated the unconscious narratives we carry around with us. Stop giving it all away. But I like to share. This was my initial resistance to the message I received in the Mary Magdalene cave at St. Baum. Because that's true. I do like to share. I love to connect with people and connect people to other people in community. Creating community is genuinely one of my greatest passions, and I happen to be really fucking good at it. So the programs I design are always built around the concept of community. And when I first heard this message, I took it to mean that I need to stop sharing my stories or stop creating community, that I need to completely change my entire life's course and jump into a different career. After sitting with it for a few weeks, though, I've started to develop a deeper understanding, which is excellent because fuck that. Changing my entire life's course and jumping into a different career, I'm not interested, especially when it means disconnecting and not building community. This depth of understanding isn't actually something I'm going to share here because it's mine to grapple with and I need to do that in a way that doesn't invite feedback. I will, however, pose the question to you. What do you need to stop giving away? You can answer in my comments on social media, DM me, email me, or don't. I'd love to connect with you on this topic and I also want to honor your boundaries 
in the same way that I'm honoring my own. This is all for you. It was always all for you. This part of the message still makes my chest ache. A few months ago, a little while after beginning to reclaim my spirituality and being kicked out of the theater by the ghost, I was walking my dog and I heard a very clear message indicating that I'm here to heal ancestral wounds and that the battles stop with my brother, my sister, and me. And this specifically relates to my maternal lineage. The wounds in my paternal lineage also run deep. And while I may get to those later in life, I may not. My work here is to heal the wounds of my maternal line and stop the proliferation of what has come before. What exactly that means is still unclear to me, but I'm exploring and the last part of the message feels like it relates to that. It reminds me of the memes that float around saying that we are our ancestors' wildest dreams. And also of Barack Obama's message that we are the ones we've been waiting for. There's so much power in both of these concepts, and when combined, that power is through the roof. This is the idea I take from my message, and it's the part I want to share most with you. You are your ancestors' wildest dreams. You are the one you've been waiting for. This is all for you. It was always all for you. Reclaiming definitions for business, entrepreneurship, and success that aren't dripping with oppression Redefining identities that aren't based on the cis-heteronormative white supremacist patriarchy we find ourselves living in. That's what I'm doing for myself, what I've helped thousands of other women do, and what I'm here to help you do. If you're into it, there are two ways to currently work with me. One, for business and sales, I offer a program called Selling You. It's a lifetime membership jam-packed with value sales and systems training to build a financially and energetically sustainable business with practical application, weekly coaching, and a shitload of community support, plus the option to upgrade into more of a mastermind-esque pathway with both virtual and in-person celebratory retreats. Though truly, I hate the word mastermind, but it's what's culturally understood. And number two. Society tries to shove us into boxes, which means we often forget pieces of ourselves, of our core truths, and that can lead to a place where we no longer recognize parts of us. The Rexy Collective, my low-cost community, and Reclamation, my weekend retreats and deeper dive coaching, are designed to help you remember who the fuck you are and reclaim those pieces, because your truth was never meant to be shoved in a box. I also reserve a handful of one-to-one -one coaching spots for which I currently have a wait list to be the first to know when my next one-to-one -one spot opens up and get the inside scoop for everything I offer. Check out the details at kellylynnjewel.com. You can sign up for my email list there too. I'd love to sprinkle delight into your inbox, but only with your consent, of course. Follow me on all the socials at kelly.lynn.jewel.com. 
I'm having tons of fun with TikTok right now, but have an everlasting love affair with Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. You know, the main places. And hey, if you like what you're hearing here on the pod, rate, review, and tell a friend.